Great to see everyone here in person and online. Let's pray before we open God's word. Father, we thank you that you're a God who gives us the breath to sing praises to you. Great are you, Lord. And Lord, we just slow down right now. And in our hearts, we make that proclamation. Great are you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would be the one who works in our hearts today. We have nothing to say unless it comes from your word. We can't hear unless you open our ears. Our hearts are hardened and things are hidden unless you reveal them to us and bring them to light and soften our hearts. So, Lord, we just pray that you would do your work in each one of us today. We, we, we give ourselves to you. We give our time to you. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us with so many things. And, and so now we just submit them back to you as we hear from your word. In Christ's name, amen. We're in a new series of sermons we've titled His Story. And what we're doing is we're going to teach through the Bible this year from Genesis to Revelation. It's going to be a kind of a high-level journey as we look at God's story. He's the subject of it all. And we see how he interacts with us and how he has written the story of those in the Old Testament and New Testament, but he doesn't stop. He is still writing our story. Think about that. God, right now, is writing your story. Last time, we saw that God is a great creator from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And he's the great creator who demonstrates his power and his authority throughout all of Scripture. We saw in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, all Lord God, by your outstretched arm and your mighty power, you created the heavens and the earth. Remember, nothing is what? Nothing is too hard for you. Today, we want to see through Scripture this theme of community, the theme of connectedness, the theme of doing life together. We're going to see through Scripture that the Christian life was never to be lived alone. And if you're here today and you're alone, there's a place for you in the community called the church that we're going to talk about today. And we're going to see how God uses himself, the essence of community, to build these truths of community uh, throughout Scripture. Now, it's interesting. I just uh, read on Friday a report, a research that just came out from Barna Research, and they said uh, COVID has impacted us a lot. Some things that are going on in our lives that, uh, that uh, just are highlighted because of the COVID thing. And one of the things they said is driving most of the issues in our life, whether it's marital stress or, or whether, whether it's a mental uh, anxiety, whether it's the, the deepening of addictions, they said the thing that's driving that is loneliness. 32% of those they surveyed, adults said that, that loneliness is impacting their decisions. Singles said loneliness, they were by far the group that said loneliness impacts them the most. And 18 to 22 year olds especially were impacted as well. Listen to what the researcher said. Loneliness is like the canary in a, in a coal mine being highly correlated with a raft of other emotional and relational problems including porn use unwanted singleness, marital problems, challenges with sexual intimacy, addiction, 
depression and anxiety. Loneliness, he said, defines our times. We are more connected than ever, but more connected. More connected, but more disconnected than ever. You agree with that? Doesn't matter how many friends you have. Doesn't matter if you're in a room surrounded by people. There can still be that that feeling of, of loneliness. And so we want to see how God addresses that, how he addresses it in his word, and how he demonstrates this aspect, not of disconnectedness, but of connectedness. And we're going to use the word to describe that, this word community, as we look at this truth of scripture. We're going to see, first of all, as we look at the Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that the The heart of community is in the essence of the person of God. Think about that. The heart of community is at essence in the person of God. Let me show you what I mean by that. First three verses of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We saw last time that that word is Elohim. He is the mighty creator. And when we read God, we think of God the Father. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, very next verse. We see the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And here we have the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so in verses one, we have God the Father. In verse two, we have God the Holy Spirit. Look at verse three. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. If you're just reading Genesis, that may not mean much to you. But if you go to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, like we did last week, we we are told that in the beginning was the... Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Nothing was made without Him. He created all things, and this Word is none other than Jesus. He is the agent of creation. So just think about that. In the first three verses of the Bible, we have the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are equal in person. They are equal in attributes, but distinct roles. And the beauty of the Trinity, we see community in perfection. We see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit working in complete harmony, complete unity throughout Scripture. The essence of community is found in the person of God. God the Father loved us so much that he sent his Son to rescue us and then sent the Holy Spirit to live within us. The essence of community is found in the person of God, and we're going to see that throughout scripture. So when we think of community from Genesis to Revelation, this word community, connectedness, we start always with God. He is the source of biblical community. Now, we also see as we go through scripture that there are these two units of community that are all the way from the Old Testament to the New. They are marriage and the family is one, and then the church is the second one. So let's think about those two. In Genesis chapter uh, one, God creates a man, and uh, he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. And then he says in uh, Genesis chapter 2.18, something is not good. It's surprising, out of nowhere. It's good, it's good, it's good. It is not good that what? The man is alone. Now, this is Genesis 2. It's before sin entered the human race. God 
we're in a perfect environment. So just think about what that means. Draw the conclusion. God created the man needing someone else. Remember? Community, he is the essence of community. So now it makes sense that when he created man in his image, man needed community as well. And so he created a woman from man. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, we have this verse first given in Genesis, repeated by Jesus in the Gospels, uh, repeated by Paul in the letter to the Ephesians. Here, here, here's the framework of marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, right? Leave what he has known, leave that unit that he has grown up in, and he's to hold fast to his wife. He's going to start a brand new unit. That word hold fast is an amazing word. It's used uh, of uh, the skin clinging to the bone. Sometimes it's translated united to. Used of the skin clinging to the bones. It's used uh, of Eleazar, one of David's uh, mighty men, who fought so long and so hard that his hand was frozen to his sword. He couldn't let it go. And so it is with the marriage relationship. One man, one woman, holding fast to one another, united to each other, and they shall become one flesh. That word one flesh has four meanings to it. First of all, it means spiritual oneness, growing together in your love for Christ, physical oneness, and exclusive sexual commitment to each other, emotional oneness, committed to exclusive feelings for each other, and missional oneness, going the same direction at the same time for the same reason. One man, one woman for life. That's God's idea, and that's his ideal and that's why marriage should be nurtured. That's why marriage should be protected. That's why marriage should be, should be cared for. It is, it is a basic biblical unit of community. One man, one woman for life. Now that's in Genesis 2. And right after Genesis 2 comes... Genesis 3, every time, right? Every time. In Genesis 2, it is perfect. There's no sin. There's no temptation. There are no in-laws. Think about that. <laughs> one guy, uh, I, I said that last night, and one guy texted me, and he said, what's the difference between an in-law and an outlaw? <laughs> Outlaws are wanted. <laughs> yeah, I, thought it, I thought it was clever. All right? So, so none of that going on in Genesis 2. But Genesis 3, sin comes... Adam and Eve eat of the tree. Sin comes and everything changes. Now, God's still the perfect essence of unity and, and, and community. But now in the human race, we got sin messing everything up. Now, you got to ask the question, where in the world did sin come from? You're in this perfect environment. Where did the temptations come from for Adam and Eve? Well, let's check this out. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says of Genesis chapter 1, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the earth. When those two words, without form and void, are used in Jeremiah chapter 4, they, they refer to God's judgment. When darkness is used throughout Scripture, it often refers to death. It often refers to, to wickedness or evil. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, is 
God referring to something that is, his judgment is on and evil and death. What could that be? Well, here's what we know. When God created the earth in heavens and earth in Genesis 1, it wasn't the first time he created. In Job chapter 38, God told Job that when, that when he was creating the heavens and the earth, the angels were shouting and singing together and shouting for joy. So we know from Job chapter 38 that God had already created the angels. We don't know when he did. We just know that he did. We also know there was an angel named Lucifer. That word means light bearer. He was an angel of beauty and power, Ezekiel 38 tells us. And we know that at some point in eternity past, pride took over and he rebelled against God. We, that's alluded to in Isaiah chapter 12, uh, 14, verses 12 through 16. That describes his pride and he was cast out of heaven and those who followed him were cast out of heaven as well. So could it be? That in Genesis chapter one, verse two, the formlessness and emptiness and darkness describe this, this judgment that God put on Satan and those who followed him, this evil and wickedness that existed because of Satan's being cast out of heaven. If, if that's the case, the creation of the heavens and the earth are the, are the first redeeming act of God as he brings uh, order out of the chaos as a result of Satan's fall. Next time, we'll talk about how the redemption of Adam and Eve took place. But I want to keep focusing on this aspect of community because now you have Adam and Eve, husband and wife together, as the first unit of community and marriage becomes through scripture this basic unit of community and civilizations are built upon that. And when marriage falls, when it's redefined, when marriage is taken for granted, civilizations crumble. So here you have the second line of community throughout scripture marriage and you have family. God so ordained it that this basic unit of community family would be the very ones that continued to share his message from generation to generation. Think about that. God so ordained it that he made it incumbent on families, parents to their children, to explain what it means to trust in Jesus and to show what it looks like to follow Jesus. There are a lot of verses I could give you. We could go to verses like Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine. That's like the go-to verse of telling your children and teaching your children. You could go to Joel chapter one, verse three. Let me just read Psalm 78, verses four through seven. Here's what the psalmist says. We will not hide the things we have heard and known that our fathers have told us from our children. We're going to tell our children. 
were going to tell the coming generations, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandment. So just think about that. The continuance of biblical community is based on families. The strength of a church will be the strength of families. The continuing of the gospel is right there in the family. Church is important. Youth groups are important. Children's ministry important. I get all that. But tag parents, you are it. The basic line, the theme of community begins at the home. The home is the basic unit of true biblical community. And as strong as families are, then that will dictate how strong the next line of community is. And that in scripture is the spiritual community. In the Old Testament, it's Israel. In the New Testament, it's the church. Let's just think about that. So God is the essence of community, right? We see that throughout scripture. He says it's not good for the man to be alone. And so he ordains the marriage relationship as the basic unit of community and the family. And then he says these families will come together and they will form the church. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And before it was used as a Christian term, it was a term that meant um, a a group of people that come together by well-defined membership. A group of people that come together by well-defined membership. Uh, The gathering, the assembly of people by well-defined membership. Now in the church, what is that well-defined membership? It's not things that we do here. Those are secondary. But the primary entrance into the membership of the church is, is what? It's trusting in Jesus Christ alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. And as soon as a person trusts in Christ as the only way to have a relationship with the living God, they are part of the spiritual community called the church. And when we think of the church, we have the big C church. Think of the church with the big C, capital C. That's like, that's like every believer who's ever trusted in Christ from beginning to end throughout the world. And we will have big C church in heaven. Until then, we have little C church. That's us. Local assemblies gathering together because of Jesus to honor him saying praises to him and interact with each other and demonstrate to a watching world what it looks like when true believers come together and really care for each other. That's what a local assembly does, right? A local assembly comes together and you know what? 
we're living in this side of Genesis 3, so sin still infects our life. But because God loved us so much that he sent his son to rescue us and the Holy Spirit lives within us, then we love and honor each other, or that's what we want to do. We're honest with each other, and, and, and we live in, in unity. We sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When one person hurts, we all hurt. We bear one another's burdens, Scripture says. We forgive each other, and there are plenty of opportunities, right, to do that. We encourage each other. That's what the body does. That's what the community of the church does. We are here to encourage each other. And, 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 and scripture says, prod one another on, stir up one another to love and good works. And one of the things we do, we serve each other. And there are all kinds of opportunities in the church to serve. And we're going to share some of those opportunities in the coming weeks. And uh, I mean, at the Bible Chapel, we have so many people coming and the gifts and the skills and the resources and the training. It's amazing. We're sitting like on a gold mine, right? And we've got to make sure that everyone's participating, everyone's doing their job. And when that happens, man, nothing can stop us. But when we don't serve, then we, we rob from ourselves and rob from the community. One couple that served here uh, many, many years, and I just want to uh, note uh, their service today. About 18 years ago, uh, we said, man, it'd be cool if we could on Wednesday nights have a meal together. We had done it years earlier, and we had to stop for various reasons. We could do a meal together, and we'll have the meal in the FLC our family life center, our gymnasium, and then uh, we have Wednesday night stuff that people can go to, but just sharing a meal together, that's such a, uh, a basis for biblical community. And so this couple, uh, Karen and Tom Tomsick, said, we'll take that on. And so they begin uh, making, uh, preparing, and serving uh, meals on Wednesday nights for um, 18 years. Picture of the Tomsicks here, 18 years they said this, it's been a joy, blessing, and huge measure of God's grace to serve. God has been faithful in supplying all that we need. His ability, efficiency, might, and all the wonderful, devoted, hardworking people have allowed us to accomplish the task. Many have served with us from the beginning. Think about this. We're a multi-generational church, and that shows up in this ministry from 9 to 92 years old, serving together in God's love, and we got to be a part of it. Think about that. 18 years of service. The Tomsics are stepping down for some health issues, and I would ask you to just thank them for their ministry to us over all these years. Will you guys thank the Tomsics for doing it? <clears throat> now, that's just, that's just one example of many who serve. And again, we're going to be talking a lot more about serving in the coming weeks because the church is God's idea and God's design. It is bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. He's the one who allows us to be a member of his church. And he came so that we could meet together. He came so that we could encourage each other. He came so the New Testament calls it his body or the bride of Christ. He came that he could show us off to a watching world so a watching world can say, man, Look at how they do community together. Watch how they serve each other. 
That's what it's like to be in the body. Look how they care for each other as they go through different challenges. Let me leave with this passage of scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So let me, let me just say this. I'm going to say this to the online uh, group. So um, some of you guys online, I, I get it, man. You, you get some health issues and you should not be here. And uh, we want to do everything we can to keep engaging you online. We're working to have a better online uh, experience. Uh, some of you have some children, uh, family things, and, and you can't be here, and you shouldn't. Some of you are at a distance. I know some of you are different states, different countries. And some of you have just become comfortable. And you need to get back. You need to come back and gather with us. Five o'clock Saturday, plenty of room. Nine o'clock Sunday, plenty of room. Eleven's getting pretty sold out about every week. We use the word sold out. There's got to be a better word, right? Registered out. I get it. Registration's a pain. I, I get it. But we just don't want a lot of people waiting outside because we can't let anyone else in because of the social distancing guidelines we have to follow. And so you need to come back. Look, I understand that um, it's not bad watching from home. When we first started this COVID journey, uh, we uh, recorded our services like on Thursday. And so uh, I got to watch the services from home. Uh, and Lori and I did Mexican takeout on Saturday nights and watched the service. Not bad. And I get up on Sunday with my coffee and watch the service. And I said, Lori, this ain't bad. <laughs> I think I could get used to this. And some of you have. And so it's time to come back. See, the church is not just a hobby or something we do. It's not just a social gathering. The church is the body of Jesus Christ. It is his idea. It's his design for community to take place. We come and we interact with each other. We serve each other. We care for each other. And when you go through a challenging time, like some emails I got this week, man, thank God that I was a part of his family. Thank God I was a part of the church because the support and the encouragement I have gotten has carried us through difficult times. All right, let me end with this. The essence of community is found in the person of God, right? So that's basic. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. The unity within the diversity, the role of distinct persons, but the unity. The essence of community is found in the person of God. The family, and marriage and the family. That's a thread that we see throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. We're going to see that thread throughout Scripture. That's part of community. The church 
We're going to see that. Israel in the Old Testament, we'll have plenty of time to look at Israel. And then the church from Genesis to Revelation, the spiritual community, and what, all, what that looks like. See that throughout Scripture. When we read the Bible, we, the big picture, we need to understand that God is a God of community. And that involves people. But I got to tell you this. People will always disappoint you. And if you put your hope in another person, you're going to be perennially disappointed. And some of you may think, you know, I can't wait to get married because when I get married, then I'm going to just be fully satisfied. Guess what? You won't. Because another person cannot do for you what only God can do for you. He's the only one who can satisfy your heart. He's the only one who can bring order from chaos. He's the only one who can address the loneliness that goes on. So maybe you're here today and you feel a little disconnected. Maybe you feel a little distant. Your husband or wife, if you're married, can't do that. Your dream of a husband or wife can't do that. And, and guys, we love each other at the church and we're going to serve each other, but we can't meet the need of the human heart. Only God can. And so today, let this song be your prayer. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down before you. You're my desire. Nothing else will do. If you haven't trusted in Christ, I pray this is your prayer to trust in Jesus. And he alone, he alone can fulfill the desire of your heart and bring you back into that relationship with him. But maybe you're a believer and you just feel distant. Let this be your prayer. God, draw me back close to you. Never let me go. I, I want to walk close to you. So, Father, let this be our prayer for those who feel distant, for those who feel disconnected, for those who feel community with you is more of an idea than a reality. Let this be our prayer. And, Lord, we know that you'll do your work in our life. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.